Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Howdy and welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is October 30th, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Clark, and thank you for tuning in. Okay, so on this episode, I don't have a guest. It's been a while since I've done with one without a guest. So, you know, I'm always racking my brain. How can I bring value to the audience of, of all of you public land hunters and, and private land hunters? But primarily public land hunters because that's what the show is all about at least that's what i that's what i do so in any event um you know i i kind of dug a little bit into some of the episodes i've done in the past and this hunting season is probably every year i say this i think but every year it's the most fun year right and this year is particularly fun because i've done so many of these podcast episodes now i think this is 62 or something and, um, you know, there's obviously others that have done more, but in any case, that's 62, by and large, 62 people that I've talked to in the hunting community that I've looked up to or idolized or have had some really good insight to provide or knowledge to share or experiences to talk about and stories to tell. And so I kind of realized I've been learning through osmosis over the years, and I'm trying to synthesize some of this information. And how can I bring value to you, the listeners? Well, you could go back and listen to every episode I've ever done, but I thought I'd just capture some cliff notes from a few of them. So I got seven things that I've learned, and these are really kind of bite-sized things. I'm not going to go too deep into these. You know, if you want to, if you want to go back and listen to those particular episodes that I'll be referencing, you know, that's that's fine. Um, that being said, number one, I think we've all learned a lot from Dan Infault, and there's a lot to be learned from Dan Infault and people who hunt with that kind of style, aka the hunting beast. So I had Dan on two episodes, and uh, let me go ahead and just call off what those episodes were so I can find them real quick here. So that would have been, well, I guess I should have been just a little bit more prepared. Hang in there with me, everybody. <laughs> episode 49 and episode 46, um, I had Dan Infault on, and I believe it was episode 46 when I was talking about, um, Dan, or Dan was talking about hunting buck beds, right? That's kind of the his his thing and um going to the bedding areas and hunt them in their beds so a couple points there you know my question to him was well how do you know if you found a buck bed versus a doe bed you know i find beds all the time and how do you really know if it's a buck bed if, if it's not there obviously you can look for um you know rubs on on trees and things like that and branches etc but so that's that's one thing you can do but he mentioned that they often will bed in a, a circular kind of location um, there's going to be some sort of obstacle where if you're, if you go into that bed and you start to look around, it's going to be pretty hard. Um, in fact, 
quote, Dan said, holy crap, how would I kill this deer? How would I ever kill this deer? And um, so if you get into the bed, literally, and you pretend like you're that deer for a moment, and it looks like there's some sort of obstacle in your way, there's a good chance that that then is one thing to consider as to why it would be a buck bed. The other is if it's kind of um, a third of the way up a hill, kind of where the wind cuts off. That's another thing that Dan had mentioned that it would be a buck bed or an indication that it is. So there's a couple of things to consider there that, you know, may or may not give you the reason to believe that you're looking at a buck bed when you're searching for these beds. So then once you figure that out, this is where it took me a lot of years to start to understand this. So, you know, I'm a novice slash beginner and I'm learning more as all of us are. And uh, I know a lot of you, I'm, I don't mean to patronize, some of you obviously have this knowledge already, but it did take me a very long time to understand wind and bedding. And I never used to care about the wind as much because if you didn't know where the beds were, what damn difference did, did it make? But once I started to learn more about where these animals are, are bedding and specifically where the bucks are bedding, and then literally specifically the exact beds of the bucks I'm hunting, um, suddenly now the wind makes a lot more sense. It's not so arbitrary other than the spot that I'm in, like maybe I'd look a certain direction or I know that if it came from the, the leeward side or whatever, that I would be blown, right? If it was downwind to me. So interesting stuff. Number two, I had whitetail experience on um, not too long ago. That would have been episode, I'm doing it again. I'm scrolling through all my stuff. Ay, ay, ay. Um, <laughs> White tail experience. Here we go. So episode 55. Episode 55, one thing we talked about there in regard to buck bedding again um, is bumping a bed. Now, I had bumped a bed two weekends ago. I was out hunting with my dad and we were walking out and, you know, I'd seen a buck come out of a certain area. So I wanted to just investigate a little bit without getting too deep in there. And it just so happened to be that we must have walked a little too close to this guy and he, we bumped him. So he came crashing through all this garbage. We kind of went in there and it was, it was a really thick spot for a bed to be, I thought. Um, but that was another learning experience. So the moral of the story here on that episode was simply that, look, if you bump a, a buck out of its bed, don't fret too much. Now there's some arguments to say that that, that buck is not coming back, etc. However, means that that bed works it means that that buck has it that bed has served its purpose it, it he put himself there to alert himself from danger so he could be looking in one direction and see what's coming and smell over the the leeward side of you know what could be coming his way um using his, his sense of smell which is ridiculous so just consider that a little bit that if you bump one it's not the end of the world it, it, it tells that buck that hey this spot worked that's a good spot to avoid predation etc um, and that will be a common spot then for any buck in, in the future to use because it has some qualities that help it, um, you know, save its life, I guess, for one way to look at it. Uh, that brings me to the next tip here, whatever you want to call it, some of the experiences. So we got one and two, we got Dan in fault, and then we had, um, you know, the, the other one by the whitetail experience that brings me to number three, which was, um, said by the guys over at whitetail 101. You know, I, I found those guys looking at the um, Carbon TV app, and uh, you know, we had two biologists on from that show, Jeremy Starks and Dave Miller, and I believe it was Jeremy who talked about this a little bit more. And so far as just how good a, a deer sense of smell is. Now, I've had other people on the show that have talked about that. Dan being one of them, I think Dan alluded to the fact that deer really 
um, use their sense of smell as human beings rely on their um, sense of vision and sight in that they see the world with their nose. Now, what these guys had talked about from Whitetail 101 is that um, deer smell on a molecular level, which I don't know how these guys know that, but if you listen to the episode, it gets pretty scientific pretty quick, and it gets very deep and granular into the science behind or the biology behind um, deer. It's it's pretty intense. It's a, it's a very um, dense episode, so be prepared for that one. But one of the things that they had said was, Deer know the difference between has been there and is there. And I thought that was a pretty interesting thing to consider because he said, um, Jeremy had said, look, if, if a deer's walking through the woods and it every time it smelled some trace of a human being, what the hell would it do, right? Like us hunters, we comb the woods pretty good, believe it or not. And there's a lot more of us out there than we think, especially when it comes to gun season, et cetera. So um, that's, that made a lot of sense to me, really. <laughs> the deer just... Every time it got a whiff of some sort of human scent, it went running like, you know, it was its life was in danger. And that's not reality. They, they don't do that. So, and some deer react differently. Dan Infault has done videos where he's literally dropped his scent down. It went right past a bed of deer, a bed of doe, literally right in front of me. You can watch the, um, the milkweed kind of flow right past the deer and it didn't give a crap. So some deer react differently than others. They all are very different individualistic animals with their own kind of preferences and things of that nature. So, you know, there's that to consider, but additionally, just that if you're there, it has a sense of presence that you're there. The, The smell, it's, you can look into this. They talked about a little bit on the episode that there's studies about human breath and, and yada, yada. So, um, I just thought that was kind of interesting because you know, we are so scent conscious and I think understanding where the beds are and then understanding the wind can really help you with that because if you're playing the wind correctly, you can have a far better chance of getting that deer, right? Because I don't think there's, you can't be scentless no matter how many products you spray on or put in a bag or crush your scent or ozone this, yada, yada, yada. There's always going to be some chance that that deer is going to smell your presence, the human presence, whatever that smells like to a deer. I don't know. Um, but that same episode, they talked about how deer communicate with each other through um, scrapes and things of that nature. And they actually would know which deer came to the scrape when. And, you know, I don't know how these guys know that stuff, but it's pretty wild. Number four, I had a guest on, Anthony Heller, who's uh, got a great Instagram channel and a great YouTube channel. That would have been episode number 58. And we talked about um, ways to access public land. And... You know, there's a couple different things that we listed. I think there were five things that we talked about there where it was proximity from your home in a metro area, ease of access, food sources, terrain, and other hunters. And we, we kind of dive into those various topics deeper in that show, in that episode. But the one that stood out to me is proximity from home and metro. So those are two things, okay? Proximity from your home and then also proximity from a metro area. And what that entails is that if it's very close to your home and or a metro area, you're going to have a more densely populated hunting um, hunting pressure that's happening there. So the further you get out from those things, if it's worth you taking a two-hour drive rather than a 30-minute drive to have an all-day sit or something to that effect, um, you might increase your odds just by half the battle is getting away from other hunters. This is something that us public land hunters struggle with. This is why I created the Where to Hunt app to try to help you navigate away from other hunters, not to go take their spot. But this is one of those things where you can try to position yourself to get further away from those hunters. So something else to consider is just proximity. Okay, so that's number four. 
And uh, number five, this one's kind of silly, but <laughs> you got to stay silly. You know, uh, we can get pretty serious about our deer hunting. And uh, this was from Catching Deers from Bud Fisher. And it's very simple. Just don't take yourself too seriously. You know, have some fun with this stuff. Forget it. Don't forget it's a yeah, forget. Don't forget that it's about the experience. It's about the memories. It's about the camaraderie. It's about the stories. So don't get so hard on yourself. Don't beat yourself up. I struggle with this, I think, every year. And I have to remind myself to not take myself too seriously because I'm getting to the point right now where social media is getting very loud. And I see all of these deer being taken from all around the state and all around the country. And I'm like, where the heck is mine? You know, so uh, that's one for me, I think, more than anything. But if it's for me, then I think maybe others might feel the same way. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get into the buck shaming stuff, but if you see that kind of thing going on, squash that and, and let's bury those people with uh, positivity. Number six, this one's from Jared Scheffler, my first ever podcast episode, um, hunting with a shot of adrenaline, I believe is what I titled it. And, um, you know, Jared's my first guest, great guest, super knowledgeable. And this was a couple of years back before they were as big as they are now. And the advice that I, my, my takeaway, these are my takeaways. Now, there's a lot of great information in all of these shows, but these were some of my takeaways. And my takeaway for this one, this one probably changed the trajectory of my hunting career, <laughs> if you will, or how I hunt. Um, it's all about perspective. And what he had stated, and I'm not going to get it verbatim here, but I'll sum it up in that he said, you know, don't get comfortable with one spot or don't get so caught up to being married to a spot. If you had seen a buck there one year or you tagged a buck there a different year, um, whatever that looks like, year over year, things change. There was a reason that buck was there that year that they might not be there this year, right? Maybe the acorns dropped that year and didn't the next. Maybe there was a hot doe in the area. Maybe there won't be before. So, you know, those those are things to consider insofar as that he said <laughs> I remember he's like, you know, I used to um, get a tree stand and I'd have all this camouflage and I'd be all scent proofed and I'd get into this spot and I'd sit and I'd sit and I'd sit. And he said one day, you know, my car broke down. I was going through all this stuff trying to do a self film hunt and uh, it just, it wasn't my day. It wasn't working out good. So I just said, you know, forget it. And he went out in the woods anyways. I think he said he was wearing a pair of jeans. He was had all this oil all over his shirt. And it was that year he had a chance at one of the bigger bucks he'd ever seen. And that's where it kind of dawned on him that, you know, he needs to just go and do and go and learn and go and explore. And I think that that's the bedrock of a lot of their success or his success in that they just get into these areas. They determine whether or not it's going to produce what they're looking for. And then they get the hell out or they move on or they stick, they stick with it if they see what they like. And so for me, it was once I had that episode that I made a point to hunt several public land hunting properties over the course of a season several where it used to be one or two and I'd, I would go to the same spots I'd go to the same spots all the time and it was quote-unquote comfortable um, because I was familiar with it and I had seen deer there so I thought well this is where I'm gonna go and I would sit and sit and sit and I wouldn't see a damn thing now since then I've seen more deer more bucks more big bucks hunting um, and had had more opportunities at deer than ever before simply because I've gotten out of my comfort zone and out of what is familiar to learn new properties. And by doing that, it's hard to even say what's compounded 
in my knowledge from getting out on more and more and more and more properties and seeing more deer and how they behave and studying that stuff. So that in the combination with having all these different guests on and getting all these tidbits along the way, it's just been a real game changer. So again, I hope this episode really helps kind of just expand your horizons a little bit or help you fine tune what you're struggling with or what you want to learn more about. And then lastly, and sorry if I'm talking fast, that's just how I am when I'm on this by myself versus if I have a guest. If I have a guest, I'll, you know, obviously I shut up and listen. Um, given the chance to talk, I, I do talk pretty fast. So number seven, I had uh, Kevin Vistason on with the Deer Hunter podcast and I just have one quote from him and it's heal the soul. And it was kind of get, he, he said, get lost in the woods and heal the soul. And this kind of goes hand in hand with number five from Bud Fisher with catching deers in that got to remember why we're out there. So I was out last weekend and I, it's the first time I was on this property that I've had access to for just this season. It's conservancy property here in Wisconsin. And, um, I didn't see, I didn't see anything. And, uh, I sat most of the morning and the afternoon and didn't see a damn thing. The wind was in my favor. So I decided I'd go into some bedding areas and I still didn't see anything. That being said, it was one of those things where just getting out side you know I had such a busy week at work and there's so much stuff happening with the family and and raising a kid and you know all of these things happening all the time and getting out in the woods really helped me kind of get back to neutral recharge my batteries and kind of heal my soul maybe not all maybe not all at once but little kind of doses um, help round me out and allow me to focus in other areas of my life because I've been able to recharge my batteries so deer hunting really is just this incredible thing that I hope none of us take for granted. I hope none of us take the public land that we have access to for granted. And if you've been fortunate enough to acquire private land, um, hopefully you're not taking that for granted either. There's a lot of work that goes into that stuff too with food plots and trail cams and you know, not hunting it too much and burning it out and what are the neighbors doing? And there's all these different things to consider for all types of hunting. But that's that's my seven things, my seven tips or seven pieces of knowledge or my takeaways from some of the episodes I've had over the last couple of years doing this. I'd love to go deeper with it. It's really hard to find all the time to go back and listen to each one of these. So this is more of what I could recall from memory, but thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being um, part of the community. I love your ratings. I love your feedback. Keep it coming and I'll keep the episodes coming. Good luck this season. We got more to come this year. We'll get into the the live listener call in, the one that called in um, for the show here. So we'll do more of that as things kind of progress too. I always have a lot of fun with that. My name's Dan. <laughs> You're full of crap. My name is Dan Infault. I'm calling from uh, Southeast Wisconsin with my uh, rut report. What's the rut report? What do you got? What kind of activity are you seeing? Where are you seeing it? Let's see, we're hunting hill country in southeast Minnesota, and we're seeing a lot of seeking and chasing going on right now. What is seeking and chasing? Seeking and chasing, being that doe, our bucks are starting to wander around looking for does. I've got some trail cameras out on video mode, and I've seen a few does walk by, and a couple minutes later, all of a sudden, a buck appears on the camera. And I've also had a couple where they just took off chasing right around in circles and a little apple orchard that I've been hunting. Uh, scrapes are popping up like crazy right now, and I'm seeing some midday cruising going on on Leeward Hillside. Nice. What? Um, how far north of Minnesota are you guys? 
Um, let's see. Do you know where we're about an hour and a half north of La Crosse? Okay, so you're up there a bit. Do you, is it? Well, we are. The temperatures are pretty cold. It's been in the mid forties, kind yeah. of. Gets so down about the mid thirties. This is Jeff, by the way. I know it's Jeff. I know your voice. Come on now. <laughs> no, it's getting good and hot out there. Or it's it's the. I mean, the action getting. It's picking up. It's doing really well. That's good to hear. Well, thanks for calling in, man. Love. No problem. I'm in the middle of a recording right now, so um, that's perfect. That's good information. All right. Have you guys good been luck. in Wisconsin yet, or no? We have. We've done a little bit early season when the acorns were dropping in the swamps down here. So I haven't been focusing a lot of time down here, but we'll be shifting gears down here to get some uh, cattail deer drives and whatnot for gun season down here. So be switching when, gears pretty quick. When are you guys coming back? Uh, we're going up there, uh, Friday and the gun opener starts on Saturday in Minnesota. Oh, wow. So we'll be, okay. we'll be up there just for the weekend and get it done in two days and have some tags filled. So it sounds like by the time gun opens they're they're going to have, you're going to have some real, some real chasing going on. Oh, I think so. Super exciting. It's usually pretty good. Yeah. They, in Minnesota, they have a gun season that starts the beginning of November, um, which is right prime during the rut. You know, I think Wisconsin's is a mid-rut kind of a thing, but it's a little bit, it's two weeks earlier than Wisconsin. So if you're in the right spot, you can get a lot of action. Super cool. We can't wait to see more about it and uh, share the, the call-in post. I got a couple more minutes here. We're taking live calls. So thanks for the call-in. Best of luck. All right. Hunt like a beast. <laughs> Bye. All right, so tip of the week. Got a couple of them, right? This whole episode was about tips on how to hunt and all that good stuff. Um, What I'm going to talk about now is just here's some apps that I've used as tools in the field to help me with my hunting. And uh, there's a lot out there, but I use some pretty basic ones. First of all, I use the Where to Hunt app. I got to get that off my chest, right? I try to use that when I go with buddies or my dad. And we have a good idea of where we went. And then, you know, additionally, every now and again, I see someone else out there that I don't know. So I stay the hell away. And it gives me some good visibility as to where I ought to go if I know someone else is out there. So that's that one. Obviously, Onyx, that's a big one. I use that for, you know, um, making sure I'm not trespassing and looking at property boundaries, but also marking beds. Um, or if it's public land, I'll actually mark kind of for this instance, this year, I'm hunting a conservancy property. So, you know, I get a physical piece of paper mailed to me with what I have access to and what I don't. And so I went into Onyx and I created my own outline of that property. So when I'm out there, and I have my phone, I can see exactly where I need to be or don't need to be. And then every time I come across a buck bed, I open that thing up and I mark a waypoint and I actually, it lets you pick, you know, buck or whatever. The, it's like a buck icon anyway. So I use that as my symbol for buck bedding. And then I've done some scouting with that digitally to try to put where I think I ought to be hunting. And that changes when I actually get out there and get boots on the ground. But, you know, it's been a great app for that. I've tracked some of my, um, you know, the tracker feature of that app to track and record my actual trip. Just to get an idea where I'm kind of trancing around in the area and, and see how many miles I'm going and where I'm hiking back to see if I can retrace my steps. But it's a great app. Obviously, um, careful with the GPS stuff, including the Where to Hunt app, because it'll drain your battery. So another tool that I've brought out with me now are uh, battery charging packs for my cell phone. I got like three of them. 
uh, because the GPS apps will really, really take your battery life down. Now, Onyx has a feature where you can download a map offline, and then, uh, you know, it's not using as much of the satellite to, you know, bring that to life or what have you. Another one that I've I just recently learned about was from someone uh, is called Windy. That's it, it's just called Windy, and it's free, and it gives you the, the real-time wind direction. I thought that one was pretty awesome. I use it quite a bit. It's forecasting the wind. Now, I know there's weather apps that you can do this too, but this one, it's literally, it's only focuses when it's the only thing it tells you. So I really like that. Uh, the DNR launched a new app called Hunt Wild Wisconsin. I haven't been on there too, too much, but, you know, um, from what I understand, it's gotten good feedback so far. You know, it's pretty easy to log in. You can do it with Facebook or I think um, Gmail or Google. You can create your own login. You can log in as a guest. So it gets you to see what's in season, what the hunting times are. I'm not sure what their plans are. Someone else might know more about this than me, but I know there's some mapping features in there as far as like, you know, where the public property is and, and things of that nature. So yeah, in fact, so I'm looking at it right now. You can look up um, public lands and then you can look at, you know, so I check deer and then it's going to show me where I can go hunt deer. So, you know, there's a lot of these Onyx type things kind of popping up. There's Basecamp, there's Onyx, the DNR is doing it. There's a lot of other kind of apps doing it from what I've seen. Hunting Buddies, another one. And then there's these social hunting apps. If you get sick of all the noise on social media and you want to go to your own private space to do that, the app I would recommend for that is Go Wild, which is not a Wisconsin DNR app. It's literally called Go Wild. And, um, great community of hunters that you're not going to get all this bashing from people that hate on you. So it's a nice place for hunters and just outdoor enthusiasts in general. It's not all hunting, but there's a segmentation for that. And then hunt more is another one where it, um, you take a picture of something and identifies the photo using some AI features and that will, um, auto auto populate into a category of what the photo is so if you take a picture of a buck this ai machine there on that app knows what that is it knows it's a buck so it'll categorize it for you so it's kind of cool for photo gallery and then there's a social component to it those are the apps that i use primarily there was one by um i think it was cabela's called the rut reporters i haven't seen that one updated recently there was another one deer tracker from qdma QDMA and powder hook that had worked together. Um, I haven't used that one a whole lot lately. So, you know, other than that, the weather app and, uh, you know, some photo editing apps to make things look great. Uh, Lightroom by Adobe Creative Cloud is one that I'll tinker with. Obviously, you can do some of that stuff through Instagram. But, and also, um, yeah, I think, well, yeah, that's all I have. I don't know where else I was going to go with that. I had one more, I think. That's it. Well, in any event, that's what I got for my tip of the week, some tools that I use while I'm out there, at least on the phone. That being said, um, thanks for listening. Good luck this season, and uh, I'm public. <laughs>